Hey, Jews, you know what they say. After Memorial Day, it's okay to wear white and to work blue. So there's your warning. If you don't like off-color humor, then have a Coke and a smile and go listen to another podcast. The feeding, the food thing is right. Like if someone, if Ben's like, I'm hungry, I'll bring like way too many snacks. Let's go down. Um, that's probably because of the Holocaust. But um, <laughs> I'm serious. Hello, summertime Jews and non-Jews. This is Unorthodox. I am your wizened but but white wearing host. Actually, I'm not wearing the white post memorial day. Wizened white. but white wearing is like is that a KKK thing? I was <laughs> just about to say. It's like grand I'm the wizard white wearing. <laughs> I am Mark Oppenheimer, joined as ever by Stephanie Butnick. Hi. And the white piquet Lacoste polo wearing Liel Leibowitz. A Freilicha 50 anniversary for the six day war. Six day to war. you and to you. I feel uh, like you're getting ready to play like racket or cricket at like a very waspy country club. Mm-hmm. Ba- or With Buffy. Another way of saying that is you're dressed like Mark when he was nine. Right. Yes, <laughs> baby Mark. <laughs> Our Jewish guest this week is Canadian Jewcaster Fred Kaur, who hosts The Point, which is a web talk show series that brings straights and gays together to just see what sort of fireworks um, go off. And it's a really good show. And uh, and he and I, we're, we're, we're buddies. We're phone buddies. And, uh, and now we're going to be in-person buddies because he's coming into the studio. It's called IRL buddies. Yeah. Isn't that an old subway line in New York City? It's IRT. <laughs> yeah. I know that from the crossword. And it's very different from the IRS buddies, which you don't want to be. Or the IRA buddies. <laughs> or the IRA buddies. Let's talk hey, to Ruth Gilligan about that. Yeah. And, um, and our Gentile of the Week... Liel, do you want to say it? Liel's so excited for our Gentile of the Week. I've actually never seen him this excited in life. Yeah, he's really like, his, our, can I just say his nipples are hard? If, uh, guys. Rock hard. Uh, the Gentile of the Week is Commander William Thomas Riker, <laughs> first officer of the USS Enterprise, and later commanding officer of the USS Titan. On on For those of us who are grownups and don't live in sci-fi land... If you have to ask that question, turn the podcast off <laughs> for the second half because you know what? You don't deserve it's it. It's a Star Trek. Guys, the first a, rule of Star Trek is... Is you don't talk about Star Trek. <laughs> I'm also told his name is Jonathan Frakes and he's like an actor or something, but I absolutely refuse to believe it. I'm hey, talking to William Riker. Do you figure he's at ho- he's going to be at home on his phone wearing that, that unitard? Oh, definitely. That, like, and he's Star- calling in on like the space intercom. Is Can that I a thing tell you, Star Trek? It, it was like an inch away from me, A, dressing in uniform, B, bringing a tricorder, which I have. <laughs> What's I have a tricorder. Oh my god! Is it like it's a lightsaber? Like... <laughs> Listeners, not now. You know, now you know what I have to face every oh Tuesday. Absolute like ignorance of the worst kind. Um. Okay. So what's what's up, Jews? What's been going on? I spent two lovely days in the other Zion, Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah, I've been there. It's amazing. It's astonishing. What a place! Hard to leave. So. I, I have boundless love for our Mormon brothers and sisters for so many reasons. I think they're, you know, wonderful, if I may. But here's one reason that I didn't realize before uh, to how insanely great this religion is. So you walk in to Temple Square, right, which you've been. It's the center thing yep. in, in, in Salt Lake City. And there's a visitor center. And, and the visitor center is like the most gorgeous building you have ever seen. And when you walk in there is like a, a phalanx of insanely gorgeous women smiling, genuinely very, very happy to talk to you about your faith and theirs. And I'm thinking like, 
that's just, that is exactly how you do religion. Like, build a really nice building, put a bunch of really attractive people. You walk in like, hey, want to talk about God? It's like, I want to talk about whatever you want to talk about. It's all good. And our version of that is, you touch down in the promised land at Ben Gurion Airport. That's right. And <laughs> someone's like, fight to get your luggage off the Did carousel. you pack yourself? <laughs> no. What synagogue does your father go to? You be strip searched by a 65-year-old like guy who used to defuse bombs. Actually, when we on Birthright, we went to the Israel Museum and we had the most amazing tour guide, this young woman who like was just so great and basically we all, all walked out and we're like are we all in love with her like is everyone in this group obsessed on sid's birthright trip she fell in love with their tour guide who was some dreamy i don't know you know middle-aged but still quite right capable of playing james bond type and you know we that's the point right, right. we have our we have our moments but the thing about the mormons is see here's the oh, thing yeah, mormons Where here's the we? thing jews have it and i you know i've been to salt lake city as i told you i've studied mormons i've chill i've i've given a talk at byu Guys, i went there on my teen tour yeah. I mean, I'm in this. I can play this game too. But but the thing about them is, whereas Jews kind of have it, but it's scattered and diffuse, and you're lucky if you bump into it. The Mormons take the sort of promised land, like the chosen people thing that we've got, and Let's then they do it right. and then they organize it, That's like right. people with MBAs from Harvard, like Mitt Romney. Like they organize it, they spreadsheet it, and they make sure that it's always the experience you have. That's exactly and, right. And that's what they've got. It's that's like a bunch of consultants. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> that's exactly. Right. Optimizing. Dear Mormons, um, we'll trade. this podcast is available <laughs> for the right sponsorship. <laughs> it could be on Mormonox uh, really easily. Talk to those consultants. There's a really big return on the investment here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give us a call. So you were in Salt Lake City, Stephanie? Um, Top that. So my nephew Noah is still the cutest thing in the entire world. We were off for Shavuos last week, so I spent like pretty much every day with him. Um, Noah Max. Noah Max. And I have to say, like, people are pretty upset. Like, I upset someone last week, and I just wanted to address it on air. There was an, a blog post in the Times of Israel, and it goes thusly. And it's hard to tell what he's what podcast he's talking about and which host, but but try to figure it out. On a recent episode of a Jewish podcast I listened to, the youngest of the three hosts proudly announced her new nephew's Hebrew name, ah. Mendel. She said that the baby was being named for his grandfather, Milton, so they chose a Hebrew name to match. It's not what I said. This is a regular tradition, after all, to match a non-Hebrew name of a past relative with a phonetically similar one from Torah and text. There's only one problem. Mendel isn't a Hebrew name. Let the record show I am not hating on the Mendels of the world. I happen to really like the name Mendel, but it is a German and Jewish name, not Hebrew. As a Jewish onomatologist, one who studies proper names, it's my duty to burst some bubbles. Consider my bubble bursted. Well, except you were kind of psyched that he identified you as the youngest member of the podcast. No, I <laughs> thought that he could have at least named the podcast. <laughs> or, and you or, see the, me na- or the person. Or <laughs> Okay. I'm surprised well, he wasn't like this young girl, yeah. the girl host. This female. Well, also, he's completely full of it because Hebrew, like other languages, can evolve. I mean, if he means there's no name Mendel in Torah, fine. Well, but there is something called modern Hebrew, which some people actually speak, and they can name their kids Liel. They can invent stuff like that's Liel. Right. My Hebrew name is a completely fucked up, made up name. But the basically Predicated his... in part on Lee Marvin from the Dirty Dozen. So. <laughs> but his argument basically expands to kids don't know their names, Hebrew names until they get bar mitzvah. Jewish continuity screwed. Right. No one knows biblical Hebrew names Intermarriage, anymore. Intermarriage, dogs like, and cats. They named him Mendel. Like, I think we're fine on like keeping the <laughs> Hebrew <laughs> thing, <laughs> the, the Jewish thing intact. How much Jew do you he get? He is the next Rebbe. He's the Rebbe. <laughs> well, so this guy is a what? An ana, onomatopoeus? Onomatologist. Onomatologist. That's so, not even you know a what? thing. I know giving... he's actually a Jewish onomatologist. I think we should oh. give this Jewish onomatologist a Hebrew name of his own. <laughs> Uh, uh, kind sir, your Hebrew name, since you're a listener, from now on is Shmagegi Shmaki Face Cohen. 
That's that's your new Hebrew name. Take that. I think one of my daughters what love from us. I think one of my daughters named one of her bears Shmagegi Shmucky yeah, Face. Isn't, isn't the bear like sh- like what was it? Like Angelina Ballerina sh- oh, <laughs> Sparkle Motion. That lasted like a week. I don't know. The the sort of ongoing bears are Timmy Bear and Farlop. And... Angelina Ballerina Chayamushka. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Praise be. Well, I didn't go to Salt Lake City and I didn't get insulted in the Times of Israel. But I did crash my dad's uh, 50th college reunion where I was recognized. This is a peak Oppenheimer thing. <laughs> yeah. Where I was recognized by uh, by my voice, by a listener of our show. Like and literally it was, across the room? No. I mean I was already at the table. She was there with her husband who was a classmate of my dad's, though they didn't, I think, know each other. But um, – we're talking, we're talking to her, and then she realizes, oh my God, <laughs> you, you host that podcast I used to listen to. She stopped listening to it at some point and I didn't quite get why. Um, anyway, it's the sister. I love that she like told you that. Yeah, yeah. it was, it was, it was very unorthodox. The show I once listened yeah. to. Yeah, used to yeah, the show I anymore. don't listen to anymore. And then there was a whole like, she's explaining podcasts to the assorted septuagenarians <laughs> around the table, but she was lovely. We hugged it out at the end. I forget her name, but it was Marty Gold's sister because her brother, Marty Gold, goes to my shul and is married to Rena Cheskis Gold, mother of Danya Cheskis Gold. Guest. So this is Danya's, Danya's aunt was at my dad's 50th oh my reunion God. with her husband. And we had a long talk. And basically what it came down to is she loves unorthodox. She loves all of us. She knew each of us well. You know, she was felt we were family. But she feels we don't do enough for the older listener, for the senior listener. And I said to her, well, what do you mean? And she said, well, you don't want us anyway. I, and I said, no, no, we really do want you. What can we do to keep you? That's and, she, right. and her answer was, well, you don't really you, – you don't want us. We're too old. You you want young people. And I was like, we want all people. Like We really do. What can we do to keep you? And she said, well, I'll think about it. In news of the Jews, Kirk Douglas is still, still 104 years old. <laughs> So anyway, I'm trying to think. We have to do something for Danya Cheska's Gold's aunt to bring her back. We're going to start a movement. This is the summer say, of bringing back. My grandparents back... listen to the show every week, but they call it the program. The program, nice. Which I love. Nice. And I'm going to start calling it the that myself. Program. They, okay, your grandparents oh. watch Frontline on PBS. No, they watch my, Antiques no, Roadshow, like nope, my in-laws. Nope, nope, nope. And my, they listen to an orthodox. My parents are obsessed with the Daily Show. They're the only people I know who still watch the Trevor Noah version. Yeah, I was about to say. They watch. Um, <laughs> that's, the, full, that's the equivalent of the, Frontline. They watch thing. the. They watch Full Frontal with Samantha Bee every week. They are like really proud. They're hep, hep, hep. Cats. Yeah, they're they're they love it. Um, okay, so there was my fi- my dad's fiftieth. Then there was my cousin Debbie's seventieth birthday. Cousin Debbie. Cousin Debbie. I wish I had one of those. Who's very cool. And um, I bumped into my cousin Meredith, who really does love our show. She listens to two kinds of podcasts: true crime. And unorthodox. I like she has that. a whole – Should we do some true crime yeah, unorthodox? Definitely. She's a realtor and she says I'm in the car a lot showing houses and I have two kinds of podcasts from the – every true crime podcast and unorthodox. Today on Unorthodox, who really killed our Lazarov? <laughs> and um, she particularly likes Stephanie and she says that my puns are third rate. That's, uh, that's Thanks, all Meredith. Love completely you. Love correct. You back. So love to Meredith. Um, in other news of the Jews – there's other news Another, besides what's in happening. Other to us. news of Wonder Women besides Meredith. Wonder Woman was banned in Lebanon. Discuss. I, I, I love it so much. First of all, because you know they ban it, and then it goes on to make like seven hundred and eighty billion dollars in like thirty six hours. Even more than that. You know what, Lebanon? Hi, this is Leo. Uh, <laughs> if you're listening now, let me just tell you: your worst cultural stereotypical like nightmares are true. A- an Israeli young woman could kick all of your 
asses. You know, one of these nights, you're going to be sound asleep, and you're going to hear some sound, Hezbollah, and then you're going to open your eyes. You know what you're going to see? You're not going to see anything, because it'll be Wonder Woman's invisible fucking plane. <laughs> and then when it becomes visible, you'll see three letters on the side of that plane, I-A-F, motherfuckers. Be prepared for <laughs> that. Wow, is this the sequel? I would, I would watch that. Oh, my God. To be fair to the Lebanese, though, aren't they like from what I hear, they're the best people in the world invaded by the worst people time and time again. Like I've heard that before they were destroyed by assorted waves of, you know, Syrian invaders and Iranian money and bombs and what that like there was no more beautiful. Amazing, amazing. But there was no more beautiful country in the Middle East than Lebanon. Still, you know, controlled by and large by by our enemies and start a war with us. But Wonder Woman's going to take care of that. Wonder Woman's going to fucking take care of all of that with a lasso <laughs> in heels. I'm telling you. It should be said that none of us have seen the movie I, yet. I know. Right? It's embarrassing. We, but can but I tell it's you? It's amazing, apparently. Uh, she is so – the movie is probably fine. No, it's like she comes from this all-female land where there's no men and they're all fight. Like they're, It's like this actually like you know idyllic the, paradise for you know like, the these mole- like these I'm with her women. We're right, like, but I want to the go to there. About that, about these women in the movie. So they hired all these like really great American actresses like Robin Wright or people like that to portray her relatives. And – love Gal Gadot so, 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 so much. But let's be honest, her accent is, you know, is her accent. So everyone in the movie speaks in the same accent. Like Robert would be like, eh, Diana, <laughs> very important. You don't go Wait, to fight. It's with like it. that fake Mediterranean. <laughs> so like great. They got all the Americans to do your all Israeli the accent. No, I think they are do... doing my Shlomo accent. No, they do <laughs> Every like single one of them. What that, like that, like foreign-ish accent right, where right. they like, could be an ancient England, like right. you're also uh, falafel for yeah. dinner tonight again before Diana. we fight the Amazonian is very good. I mean, to me, this is a really big deal because the only Israeli like female, like these celebrities I can think of. Okay, you have Bar Raffaele, you have kind of Natalie Portman who doesn't really, you know, who's basically who's American from at Long this point. Yeah, but yeah. she was born there. But I think this is is really an amazing cultural moment where she's a freaking superhero, right, on American screens, and she's an Israeli actress. Like, it's I, when when has this happened? My respect and admiration for her is so intense because she's not only just, oh, I'm the Israeli actress who made it big, oh, bar failure, I'm dating, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio, I'm a model, whatever. Like, this week, Wonder Woman weekend, right? Like, the biggest week of her Wonder career. Weekend. Wonder Weekend. <laughs> she posted a photo of her and her daughter Eyes covered, lighting Shabbat candles, like the She's hometown. A regular Ivanka Trump. The hometown pride <laughs> that that yeah. Ivanka oh, Trump. Please, that's, for sorry, shame. That's the only other person I know. You who mean does that. Yael? You know, it's so insanely heartwarming to see someone so 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 proud. So here's another funny story. So Israel being the most provincial place on earth, right? Um, when the movie came out, the three tallest towers in Tel Aviv uh, had a light display. They lit up their windows to spell. Congratulations, Gal Gadot, our Wonder Woman. We're so proud of you, like a 38, you know, word congratulations. And, you know, she could have been like, oh, that's cute. She wrote in Hebrew on Facebook this really long message saying, I am moved to tears when I was a young girl living in some fucked up suburb of Tel Aviv. Like, I would come to the city to, like, party. And, like, every time I saw these towers, like, they symbolized for me, like, the big city and the possibilities of, like, my dream. And now you guys are giving me all this love. And I'm so grateful for everyone. And I love you. You know, I I can't wait to three more movies in the franchise. And she'll be like, I'm from the Middle East. (laughs) 
from abroad. <laughs> Speaking with um, this accent. Like, Hi, my name is Giles. Robin Wright is my mother. Nothing will top Wonder Woman this week, but I just want to nope. two, two more quick news of the Jews stories. First of all, and I'm going to flip these because I want to end with Barbara Streisand's dog. Uh, <laughs> no spoilers. So the penultimate story is that according to the Jewish Telegraphic Agency, a Palestinian baby who had been seriously injured uh, in a car accident was breastfed by a Jewish nurse when, um, when he refused to take the bottle. We want to give a shout out to the nurse Ula Ostrowski Zah and the nine-month-old boy uh, at Hadassah Ein Karam Hospital. Um, this is a story that has no meaning whatsoever, but it's nope. the kind of feel-good story that— Everyone's like, we're going to be okay. And it's actually really sad. The father, the baby's father was killed in the car crash. The mother's still in intensive care, I think. And the baby wasn't bottle-fed. Like, the baby was just distressed, obviously. Um, so— But I don't know. It's a really nice story. It's a nice story. I'm just, somewhere in the world, Katy Perry is like, see, I told you we don't need any borders and we're all love. <laughs> and finally, our last news of the Jews story, Barbara Streisand's dog, Sammy, died. It was a 14-year-old Coton de Tulliard. I guess that's a breed. I just want to take this opportunity, number one, to say I still don't like Barbara Streisand. I don't Wait, understand. you're not going to say a nice word for Sammy, a and person who just lost – Look, this woman lost I'm the dog sorry she, she lost her dog. I've, I've, as a dog person, I'm filled with as who, as a dog person who recently lost a dog. I'm filled with boundless compassion for Barbara Streisand for having lost a dog. That said, um, I don't like Barbara Streisand that much. And fuck gourmet dogs. Like Jews are the rescue dogs of the world. And I understand if you have allergies. I absolutely understand there are reasons that people get gourmet dogs. But if you're Barbara Streisand and you don't have a dog allergy, you should be rescuing a half pit, half like I don't like this you should be doing. Like I don't like the people who are like uh, Nah, you should be no, doing No, no. The only acceptable answer Barbara to what Streisand. kind of dog you have should be like brown. Yeah. Barbara Streisand can do whatever she I realize wants. we've just walked into your kitchen because I forgot that you guys had gourmet dogs in your family, Stephanie. And we, have, we don't have gourmet dogs. We have terriers. Yeah. I'm just saying we They're should be rescuing pure, dogs. Yeah, of course. I okay. agree with that. But I don't think you can say – I don't like those people who are like, you did this wrong. Fuck gourmet dogs. Also, can we – Also, like I can't – you just seem to – you say you have compassion for this do, this loss. Fine, but I, I don't. don't see it. Fine, I, fine and you're, I don't. A, it makes you a big hypocrite can to I say ask a she should question? have this dog. Also, I was so sad about my dog and we talked about it all the time, but she is not entitled to that. Can I ask a that bigger question? That is the ultimate hypocrite move. I had a better dog. What? This is that side dog. of you I do not like. JJ was better than Sammy. I don't Sammy. know. I kind of like that side. That's like a very – It's like this. Oh, that's uh, a very Wonder Woman side. Can I ask like a serious question though? Yeah, fine. What is – could someone explain Barbara Streisand to me? That's, I, I genuinely the, don't get it. We no, should get to our, our guest. I'm so much more excited to talk to Fred than I am to talk about Barbara Streisand. Streisand. That's probably right. Send us your email defending Barbara Streisand and we'll mock it on the Explain air. Barbara Streisand to me. Send I just don't get it. calling Mark out for not right, showing bring, the love Fred he, in. he requested. <laughs> you know, people. I dated Barbara Streisand. You did not date Barbara Streisand. You were 14. <laughs> people. People who need Broadway comes to the 14th Street Y on Tuesday, May 21st. Join us at 7 p.m. for a conversation with cast members from Prayer for the French Republic, the Tony Award-nominated Best Play. Tony nominee Betsy Adam and fellow cast members Francis Benhamou, Ethan Haberfield, and Ari Brand will take part in a lively discussion moderated by the New York Times' Mark Tracy. They'll talk about the play's themes of Jewish identity, French culture, and Zionism in times of rising anti-Semitism. 
This event is part of 14Y's spring season of Jewish culture. As a Jewish community center, 14Y offers a variety of opportunities for people to discover, explore, and connect with Jewish life. Visit 14streetwide.org to learn more and purchase tickets to Broadway at 14Y. Our Jewish guest this week is Fred Kerr. He's a journalist, actor, and media analyst, and he is the producer and moderator of The Point, which is a web series and talk show that brings gay and straight men together to talk about the issues of the day. Welcome. Well, thank you. We've actually already met yes. at our live show in Toronto. Yes, 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 yes. Those of us who, uh, you know, Those of us made who were the at flight, the show. who made it to the and, show. Uh, uh, was it Beth Sedek? Yeah. Yeah. That's my drag name. Beth Sedek. <laughs> that is really, that's amazing. <laughs> So what have you been up to since then? Well, actually, it's exciting because we are coming up to our season finale of The Point. It's a fun show. There are a lot of people on it. Uh, you mean like there are six panelists? Panel yeah, like we're, three. we're yes. three and we can barely like have a show. Yeah. Well, because you're all Jews. I'm the only <laughs> Jew on mine. Plus, so, they're Canadians. They're sort of like, I'll just wait politely until so, you. Oh, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. You go ahead. <laughs> Give us a sense of what the show is like. Well, the the sh- like you said, it's uh, well. Our tagline is bringing gay and straight men together to see what happens. There's a, there's a long history of a relationship between gay men and straight women, uh, starting all the way back from Will and Grace. Uh, well, Will and <laughs> from all the way back to to uh, you know the the way that gay men um, admire and respect strong women. Hence the the. Golden Girls. The Golden Girls and Barbara Streisand, who I will defend. But not yes, Margaret Thatcher, should. oddly. Not, well. Oh, I disagree. I'm you know? sure there is a gay cult of Margaret Thatcher. I, I would There's agree with you. There's some fusty, yeah. gay, Tory, dandyish men in their Savile Row suits who adore Margaret Thatcher. You don't think? I, I, I do. <laughs> Dandyish. Thank you for perpetuating a stereotype. Every stereotype. They have their pinkies raised as they <laughs> sip, sip tea, sip tea. In, in, in chi- with China. That's right. Right. Well, yeah. that's just what I, that's my English. I mean. Yes. Not to push another stereotype. <laughs> but here, but here's the thing. The, uh, that uh, the idea was gay and straight men, right? We have these, uh, straight men have these preconceived notions about gay men. And gay men have preconceived notions about straight men. Um, so what are some of those? So like, I know okay. what all my preconceived notions right. are about you. Well, <laughs> What do you think about us? Well, I uh, about straight men. Straight men, yeah. Well, I mean, I, the stereotype, and I, I know this isn't true, but that you're all into sports, you're all bros, you all fist bump each other. That's about right. Uh, <laughs> Go on. Um, that that there's there's a certain level of of disdain for women, not necessarily uh, an out there like a, a, you know a, a Trumpian way of looking at women. But even in subtle ways, right? And that's actually why there's this gay male sort of love, if I can call it that, or affection for strong, bitchy women, right? And I I use the the term bitchy as a as a as a positive. Um, you know, I, I voted for Hillary Clinton not because she is a woman, but the fact that she is a strong, competent, intelligent Pushy. woman. Pushy woman, right. I mean, that added to the mix. That wasn't the reason. The fact that you're a Canadian who voted for Hillary Clinton just fueled well, a million I'm, Republican voter fraud right, right. theories, but you right. are a citizen. I, I'm, a, du- I'm a dual right. citizen. Yep. Um, I grew up in Brooklyn. In fact, I, uh, my father went to the same high school as Bernie Sanders. Midwood? No, which one? Uh, which one uh, uh, Madison. Madison. Okay, got it. And then I moved to Vermont, and <laughs> that is still where I vote. And Bernie Sanders is my senator. Uh, well, I like that everyone nice. either went to that school or went to Erasmus with Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. There were like yeah. two high schools and all the celebrities. To be fair, some of them went went to Midwood with Woody Allen. So I, what are you finding okay, on your so, show? So, like, 
What here's the here's my question. And I've watched a lot of episodes. Of the point I really love it. One oh, of the questions you. I have is that some of his favorite episodes. Are yeah, yeah. The point. but it, there is sometimes, and I'm sure you feel this too. There's the problem that if you put together some gay friendly straight guys and some straight friendly gay guys, these days we kind of all get along. No, and uh, yes, um, and in fact, when we were putting together the panel for the show, like our regular, you know, I mean, we're kind of modeled after shows like The View. The View, yeah. Um, so when you put a bunch of people together and you put out an audition call, right? People are going to self-select. So, uh, you know, straight guys who see an audition notice who, you know, most are in some sort of a performing art, whether they're stand-up comics or actors, and they want to audition for the show and it has gay content and it's about gay and straight men, right? Some Trump voting, conservative, gun-toting, whatever, is not going to come out and audition for it. I mean, they're likely not to be actors in stand-up comics anyway, but maybe that's a stereotype. But um, Do you ever notice uh, Mexicans? What's up with that? <laughs> yeah, think. So, so the panel is straight and gay men. Straight and gay. It's half and gay, they half sit, straight. They alternate. They go straight, very good. gay, straight, gay, straight, yes. gay, straight. Yeah, yeah very good. Yeah. When you you're talking about observation. The, the, stere- like the stereotypes you imagine straight men have, is there like a level of homophobia in there that you think of these? If you're talking about jock culture who disrespect women, like is there an assumption oh, that, yes. that those people don't yes. really like you? Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, and that's because homophobia stems from misogyny, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's fear, although that's not quite the right word, even though we call it a phobia. But it's a, a, a disdain or a dislike for the feminine. I, I mean, it's interesting. On, on your huh. show last week, you uh, were talking about toxic masculinity, which ironically or coincidentally— Which is are, the name of my band, by the way. <laughs> that's your drag name. Uh, yes. Um, but this week, uh, Leo plays triangle in that band, just to be clear. <laughs> um, I, I do a mean tambourine. No doubt. Um, uh, uh, this week on our show, we have a, our guest is a cultural anthropologist who has actually done research on masculinity and interestingly masculinity as it re- and femininity as it relates to drag culture. But this issue of toxic masculinity comes up on our show as well. Um, and it feeds into what you're talking about, which is, um, that that sort of hyper masculinized is that the right word ideal um which is actually presented so expertly and effortlessly by Donald Trump um which sees a a negative in the feminine in the perceived weak misogyny is all about that it's all about disliking and putting down, keeping down that which is feminine, not just women, but anything that is perceived as the feminine. And gay men, historically and still today, are perceived as the feminine in many contexts. You know what's interesting is your show, I was watching your show and you recently had that conversation about pronouns about the professor at the University of Toronto who was going all gender neutral. And you guys were suitably bitchy about that and funny about that, I thought. And there you are in an all-male space and... I was thinking, like, I bet there are people to your left, so to speak, who think you're just a bunch of bros because you are you're not you're not all in the tank for the latest postmodern stuff. You're not you're a little skeptical of some aspects of trans culture. You're all male. Like, I wonder if their communities are like, oh, those are just a bunch of like right wing toxic masculine assholes. (laughs) Well, we did get some uh, some uh, blowback from that online blowback. That sounds dirty. Um, We got some blowback about that. And so we continued talking about the subject and actually invited uh, a a gender nine, a gender non-binary trans activist 
on the show who is behind this uh, campaign called the No Big Deal campaign, which is about um, educating people about gender neutral pronouns. But you sometimes feel like the old man. And they're like, I remember when it was hard for gay people I, to come yeah, out. No, <laughs> like, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, um, the, the This idea of bringing gay and I feel like the old man. I feel like Bernie Sanders now. <laughs> I remember when when it was hard to even get people to say I was gay. Um, no, where now, I mean, when you talk to uh, younger gay men the struggle to come out as gay and have those relationships between gay and straight men is much easier for them than, I mean, I'm not, am I that old? I don't know. How old are you? Uh, I'm turning 50. Mazel tov. Uh, well, thank you. Uh, um, Let me I, ask you a question. Uh, this is a really dumb question. It just occurred to me uh, the other day thinking, you know, about you. Um, is Canadian homophobia different than like our version here? Like, is, is it, it like, nicer? Is it more polite? Like, <laughs> sorry, um, I, I found your choices uh, revolting and immoral. So sorry. <laughs> your Canadian That's just my accent. Canadian accent. Yeah. It's <laughs> top notch. He's Israeli and he can't even do it in Israeli accent, right? So he's... although I love Shlomo, Shlomo. I love Shlomo. Shlomo. I, can very you, good. Can very you do the rest of our spot here? Only if you do the rest in Bernie Sanders voice. <laughs> that is fine. Listeners guys, I can it. do that. Don't do it. I'm a little Shlomophobic. <laughs> And I'm Ashkenormative. Same. Yeah. yeah. Same. We, we, we all, are. We all are. Yeah. So is, That's is, our it, problem. is it a different? Because here I get how Americans express, you know, yeah. that. It's like, Toby I, Keith, fuck you. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. We just, I mean, we just fucking white. smash you into a chain link fence somewhere outside the club. I know. I mean, you know, awful. You looked at me, you fucking fag. Like, how do they do it in Canada? Yeah, you do that so well. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you really I went. That, <laughs> I, can I move out a little too easy? The funny thing is, words I've literally never said. Like, that came out of some deep acting class somewhere. Um, the 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 political culture in Canada is more polite, less personal in 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 terms of like political attacks. Um, you would never have uh, before we started recording. You mentioned my spot on the O'Reilly Factor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, may he rest in peace. You, right? <laughs> may, may the O'Reilly Factor rest. You were in peace. once interviewed by Bill O'Reilly, right? Yes, he called me an honest man. I expect you to do the same. You mean President O'Reilly? <laughs> From 2024. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah. And and the loofah is running as his vice president. Um, uh, I, no, the, uh, the political culture is more polite in Canada. It is um, – there are fewer personal attacks. You would never have an O'Reilly or that kind of a figure in Canada. There are, there are uh, journalists and commentators in Canada who have tried to be. Uh, there was a, a, a television network that kind of fashioned itself as Fox News North, but it failed because Canadians don't buy into that hyper uh, hateful, hyper masculinized. So the Canadians said, Rick Moranis, stop it with right. this hyper masculine right. bullshit. Yeah. Exactly. Mike Myers, stop him. Yeah. Drake is his... Is, is, well, ma- so that's my question. I was actually thinking about Drake when you said that. Obviously. Drake, Aren't you I mean, always thinking about Drake? Yes, mm-hmm. basically. But he, I mean, with his, as his rap has gotten so so much more like rap, like I feel like he started out and he was like, I'm I'm a nice guy rapping. And now he's sort of doing the the regular thing. And are Canadians that turned off by that at all? I, I mean... Can I you can, speak on behalf of all I, Canadians? Well, yes, exactly. About Drake? Okay. Um, I mean, in, in Toronto, it's almost it's almost taboo to say that you're not a huge fan. It's sort of required that you like. He's like Drake. your Gal Gadot. So you have to. 
I'm not going to distract. No, I'm not asking you to distract. Done saying I'm done playing. Last time is on the outro. Stuck in the house, need to get out more. I've been stacking up like I'm fundraising. Most people in my position get complacent. Want to come places with star girls and they end up on them front pages. I'm quiet with it. I just ride with it. The moment I stop having fun with it, I'll be done. Hey, J. Crew! it is time for some pod biz. Tonight, May 16th, I will be moderating a Zoom conversation with Rabbi Sharon Browse and Shai Held about each of their new books. That's at 6 p.m. Eastern and the final event in my Unpacking the Book series with the Jewish Book Council and the Jewish Museum. This one's on Zoom, so no matter where you are, I hope you can make it. And tonight is actually a doubleheader for me. If you're in the New York area, I'll be at the Marlene Meyerson JCC Manhattan at 7.30 tonight in conversation with Israeli rapper and singer Jimbo J. He'll be performing and there will be delicious Israeli food from Chef Mushka, who made the famous Horosets at our Passover pop-up. You can find links to register for both of those events at tabletmag.com slash unorthodoxlive. We also have some great events coming up for Tablet members in person and on Zoom. On May 16th, Catherine Wolf will be in conversation with Jews who refuse to back down against hostile crowds in various arenas, from municipal buildings, school board meetings, and of course, college campuses. She'll be talking with Club Z's Masha Merkalova, Safe CUNY's Avraham Goldstein, Attorney John Kovac, Mel Waldorf, Steve Goldberg, and UNC Chapel Hill student Daniel Stumpel. Also coming up, a warm and intimate Zoom for those who have lost friendships since October 7th. That's on May 21st and will be a great chance to connect and meet new people. And on May 30th, an in-person tablet meetup in Washington, D.C., hosted by Tablet's executive editor Wayne Hoffman and Catherine Wolf. That'll be at Charbar at 6 p.m. You can become a Tablet member at tabletm.ag slash UO member and get more information about all of these events. Okay, back to the show. All right, our Gentile of the week um, is a, a man uh, who f- fanatic assholes like me introduce uh, solely as William Thomas Riker, first uh, officer of the USS Enterprise and later commanding officer of the USS Titan. Uh, he's also, I'm told, a wonderful actor named Jonathan Frakes, but I refuse to believe that. Uh, Sir, my first question is, how much do you hate people like me who only refer to you as a role you played on a television show some years ago? If it weren't for people like you, we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> no, but I, I imagine there's, there's some line that's being crossed when, like, you know, overweight, middle-aged men, you know, kind of sidled up to you in conference to be like, and so in the novel in Zadi that details your relationship with Counselor Troy before the series, you're like, uh, just please walk away. I, I don't want you in my space right I, now. It takes a lot to skeep me out, to be honest. <laughs> I, I've, it's mostly like a day three or day four of Dragon Con when the smelliest Klingon from Thursday is still in his full rubber turtle head and sweaty suit, and you can sort of feel him approaching for another photo op, and your eyes water with the smell of urine. <laughs> <laughs> That's rare, really. And you're like, I should have done Jane Austen adaptations. <laughs> um, so you start directing in 1990, I believe, and, and, and you direct one of the all-time great episodes um, of, of the show in which uh, Data, quote-unquote, gives birth uh, to, this, to this android, what is it like to you know be in a show for like three years, work with colleagues, and all of a sudden say like, okay, well, now I'm going to be your director? Well, for three years, I fumbled with them to give me a job as a director. So I, I shadowed all the directors. I spent 300 hours in the editing room. I went to pre-production meetings, post-production. They 
wisely were reluctant. But as a result, I was so overprepared finally to do an episode of TV. It has served me, and I'm a much better director than I ever was an actor. And the people that I work with are, dare I say, mishpucha. So <laughs> I have, they were, they were, uh, you know, they took the piss out of me. We had, a, we had, with the most rowdy, misbehaved group of adults on that set. And it only got worse when I directed because it was, you know what that's like. When you work with friends. So basically, yeah, if I tried to direct Stephanie and Mark, they'd nope, be like, nah, not having nah, it. not doing that take. Fuck you. Exactly. Exactly. Your dad was a pretty well-known book critic for the New York Times for a long time, right? Yes. Oh, the late, great James R. Frank, New York Times and the Cleveland Plain Dealer. What was that like growing up with a father who was always reviewing books? Was he a really... Yeah, it was somewhat intimidating. He... I said to him one time, he taught Hemingway and Faulkner and, and uh, Joyce, among others, Beckett. And uh, I, I think I was in high school. And I said, I really, I think I'm ready to, <laughs> I'm ready for Ulysses. And he, he said to me, you can't handle Ulysses, <laughs> which I thought was a great line. And after he, after he died, I was lucky enough to get his teaching editions of most of his, most of his books, one of which was Ulysses. And I had a moment where in my library, I took the Ulysses down off the shelf. I thought very warmly about my father. I said, oh, this will be great. I thought, you know, I was in my 50s, and I thought, I'll, I'll read Ulysses now. And I opened it, and I did a few pages, and what did I think? I still can't fucking handle Ulysses. <laughs> Dad, was, Dad was right. So he lived uh, to see... He was right, still right. <laughs> he lived to see Commander Riker uh, ascent, right? He, he saw you in, in your... So, what did he think of Star Trek as? as he saw text? me in my spacesuit. Yeah. <laughs> did did he did he recognize it to be you know right up there with with the great uh, narratives of, of of humankind or or to, was to him it was just like he, eh, a show. He was not much of a sci-fi guy. But it's it's Star Trek. He I was, mean, uh, at the risk of sounding like a total fanboy, even more it's it's more than a sci-fi narrative, right? I mean, it really has become this big cultural touchstone that is studied and, and analyzed and, and revered as a kind of, um, you know, almost like a meta text that, that never, that never translated to him. He never, um, he was very proud and very encouraging and always was in terms of that as a career choice. And the fact that I ended up getting a good job only, I think vindicated his support. <laughs> I actually um, picture, I actually picture him in like a support group with Bart Giamatti where both of you are like, yeah, our sons are becoming actors. We're literary critics. Our sons are going to this really difficult field. Do you think they'll make it? <laughs> when you look at the state of, of sci-fi today, um, you know, all these like big, dumb, loud, like superhero movies, even, you know, the new alien basically just being just a, a shoot them up in space. Are you, you know, as someone who's, again, not, not just acted, in, but, but directed it and, and has a really, really smart feel for it, do you, do you lament this? Do you think we've kind of um, gone hyper, uh, just hyper stupid, hyper muscular, or, or do you see something interesting out there today that you genuinely like? Um, it's a really good question. I got to say, to stay in the, uh, in the family a little bit, I really thought that uh, J.J.'s reboot, the first one, was wonderful. He's a wonderful storyteller, sort of like Spielberg. And I thought that we were in very good hands, and still are in many ways, 
with him. I'm, I'm, uh, I like the humor, to be perfectly honest, of the, uh, like the Guardians of the Galaxy, and I think the Marvel with the tongue in cheek and the wink. I, I don't mind that, uh, that at all. I, I, I would, I can't bear the Transformers type movies, but if, the ones that have a little character and, and humor. If you were called upon to direct one big franchise, I tried to get Star Trek three. I tried desperately to get the uh, the one that Justin Lin directed, the third of the uh, JJ's movies. I really wish you had, Commander. <laughs> thank you so so much, Jonathan Frakes. Thank you for being our Gentile of the week. Delightful. Thank you very much. Our pleasure. Okay. Bye bye. Stephanie, you have a live event coming up. Indeed, I do. Um, I'm so excited. I'm actually moderating a panel with um, Dean and Maya Jenkolovitz of Jack's Wife Frida at the New York Public Library uh, next Wednesday, June 14th at 6.30. And um, it's going to be fun if you listen to our episode. She's really, really great. And Dean's um, wonderful as well. Uh, so what's such a good dinner what's the date? the other day? June 14th. Place. Time. Oh, the, the New York Public Library. Main branch? Main branch. Mid-Manhattan Library. That's the That's main not branch. the main branch. That's across the street That's from the main street branch. Street the it's main across branch. the street from the main branch. The Mid-Manhattan branch. The Mid-Manhattan Library. You'll be talking food. Talking food. Schmoozing. Yeah, that'll be fun. You can get more information at nypl.org, and we'll put that in the newsletter. Fred, do you have any events coming up? I Yes, Since we have. here, we, Fred Kerr? We have a live event coming up. W- when is it? Our season finale is uh, the is Saturday evening, June 17th. It's um, We're doing the season finale as part of an event called Nuit Rose, which is uh, an art fest, art festival performance crawl all through um, downtown Toronto, uh, focusing on LGBT artists and art and performers and all that good stuff. We are doing the season finale live in front of an what? audience. At the 519 Community Center, which is in the Gay Hood at 519 Church Street. So if you are in Toronto or will be in Toronto the weekend of June 17th, come to the 519 Community Center. And actually, they close off the whole Church Street, which is like the main drag through the Gay Hood. And it's a big art party. And remember, Americans, it takes a passport to get there. Yes. (laughs) As Liel forgot. All right. I have a question for you. This is really important. You're a New Yorker. Yes. But Brooklyn. you live in Canada. You obviously don't live in Montreal, but like weigh in on the bagel thing. You are in a uniquely situated. Oh, oh this is like talking pizza. I don't remember where you are. New York. Yeah. yeah. I, I, oh. Like, are, did you feel like when you moved there, you're like, I have to get on board? I know I'm supposed to say like New York bagels are the best. Yeah, you say yes, whatever you yeah, want to no, say. Absolutely. No, say no, no, no. Okay. It's not right, Stephanie. Okay, the, the Israeli that. is pointing his gun at me, telling That's me correct. I have to say New York. But I do love Montreal bagels as well. They're, there's something beautiful about them. They're different. Montreal, I love them. Still never had They're one. They're a vehicle for... You've never had one? Never had one. You have to have a... I'll have one sometime. You have to... Come to... I'll meet you in Montreal. We'll have a bagel. We'll You'll have feed some, me. We'll have some smoked meats. We'll have a nosh. We'll have a nosh. We'll have a nosh. If you've never had them, all, just, all you have to do is just take a bunch of, you Smush. know, <laughs> just take a bunch of dough and sugar no! and stuff it in your mouth and... All right. We'll go to Fairmount Bagels. <laughs> Friends. The mailbox. Hello, friends. First off, mazel tov to Stephanie and family on the birth of baby Noah. Thank you. I accept all congratulations, having done zero to make that baby happen. After your disparaging comments about good parenting, this was a reference to my saying, no, God parenting, sorry. Um, after your <laughs> gay parenting, oh my parenting. god, this okay. is the Freudian slip okay. of the century. Good after your disparaging comments about God parenting, this is a reference to me having said Jews don't 
to godmothers and godfathers. That's really goyish. <clears throat> this person writes, I wanted to share the joys and blessings of having Jewish godmothers for my children and myself being a Jewish godmother to five children. My family's very small and I'm the only member of my generation strongly identifying as Jewish. When my first son Ezra was born, I felt the need to have some kind of designated Jewish mentor. So I asked my rabbi and she explained the traditional Sandek role. I asked if we could expand on this with my lifelong best friend, Amy, as Sandakit. Rabbi Margaret agreed and wove in Amy's role as Sandakit or Sandakit when saying blessings for Ezra. Ezra is now 18, and the role of Sandakit became part of our familial and spiritual culture. I became Sandakit. Sandakit to Amy's daughter, Emily, with Reb Margaret, including me in blessing Emily. My second son has Ellen as his Sandakit, also blessed by Rabbi Margaret, yada, 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 yada. Before having Ezra, I also thought godparenting to be solely Christian. But God works in mysterious ways. My youngest goddaughter is Filipina Black Wasp, and her parents decided to bring in her Filipina heritage and asked me to be her Ninong. Again, how could I say no? Sincerely, Yarrow Rubin, Elk, California. You come I like to that. me on my daughter's christening. <laughs> you don't call me Sandakit. Like I know in Greek Orthodoxy, because my friend Irene is Greek, she has like the role of godparent, and she's god a goddaughter, and she has godparent, and that's like so the person who's responsible for your Greek education. And I like that. I like and does the anyone idea. in that family actually take that role seriously and be responsible for the Greek education? I know that they no. – well, at their wedding, right. like yeah. your, your – I forget what the word is, like kumbaya or something like your that. Kumbaya. Kumbaya. Kumbana. Like kumbaya. kumbaya. Like there's two and then they, they're part sandwich. of your wedding ceremony. So Look, like – I don't doubt that they have occasional roles at milestones. I have never – and people can write in mail to the contrary. We have a lot of Gentile listeners. I have never encountered a, quote, godmother or godfather who's really taken the education role Although seriously. I would say if what it really listener, means is they give gifts. Mark, Once in a while, they give gifts. Any listener wants to appoint me godfather to their children, I will make sure that kid <laughs> gets my kind of Jewish education. <laughs> Great. So if you want that, Right in, I'm here. Have at it. Okay. Next letter. Dear Mark, Stephanie, and Liel, I am a Danish Jewess living in the south of Sweden, working as a journalist in nearby Copenhagen. There's so many things I'd like to tell you, but I'll limit myself to this. Note to Mark, the Swedish word for Jewess, Judina, is the word every Swede uses for Jews of the female sex. Look at that. Judina is completely integrated into the Swedish language. I thought you'd be happy to know that. I am. Okay. Yep. We're bringing Jewess back. Quest. Okay. Now she, she goes on. Question about Jewish names. In one episode of Unorthodox, you all agree that Myron is a universal name for aging Jewish uncles. Apparently, everyone in the U.S. has an old half-deaf Uncle Myron. Correct. This includes me, by the way. It made me feel quite a bit of anxiety about my own name, Miriam. Is it considered an old aunt's name? Years ago, an American I knew told me that in the U.S., only old Jewish ladies are called Miriam. Is this true? Yours, Miriam Cats. Hmm. I Not anymore, disagree. Miriam. It's yeah. so bad. Let's yeah. talk about Miriam Cruel. She's, no, it's a thousand percent she's, back. She's a friend of mine. She. Yeah. I think it's. A, I think it's back. It's like sort of like Esther. Like these sort of yeah, more biblical right. names are definitely back. I love the idea that in America, it's someone Brooklyn. said. It's just an old lady's name, as though it was like only ever an old lady's name. <laughs> they, they were, you know, like, they they were never name old ladies. That they were never. No, Miriam is a thousand percent back. Miriam. Katz. I have to say though, um, Miriam works for a website. She or she says she writes for a Jewish culture website. It's called Goldberg New. Who the Miriam Katz who yeah. wrote to us writes for Goldberg New. Yeah, so she writes for Goldberg New. Goldberg.new. And I, I clicked on it. It's amazing. It's it looks great. Goldberg what language is it in? It's in Swedish, but there's a few. There, there's one. There's like a there's a few things that are in English, obviously, like the headline uh, Whitefish Montana, which they're obviously covering the like neo Nazi stuff there, and then like Shabbat Shalom Motherfuckers, which is Broad City, right? <laughs> like a, uh, with a picture of the girls from Broad City. Is, is the new like new? I don't no? know. Maybe yeah. it's a no? Swedish no? thing. Netherlands but... new. Who's I, dot I, NU? I, I, hope I don't know. I, I, I like, I like Fred. What's better? Like, like, no, no. Yeah. Goldberg.new? Tablet.new? 
right, tabamag.new. Two, two more letters. Dear Mark. Okay, so remember the person, the woman who wrote in and said, give us a shout out. We're getting married in a couple weeks and we cuddle every Saturday and listen to your show. Oh, yeah. So the husband, so the, the guy wrote in, dear Mark, Stephanie, Liel, when I heard my then fiance Aaron's letter on your show recently, my second thought was how lucky I am to be marrying such a sweet oh, and thoughtful woman. Hold on, then because they broke up because of this letter? <laughs> my first thought was, no, because they got married since oh, then. That's why okay. it's then fiance. My first thought was, shoot, I was just about to do that for her on next week's show with more or less the same message about listening in bed on weekend mornings. I fucking love Jason and Aaron. Like we are actually part of their bedroom in, in, routine. In, in bed with them. <laughs> we are in bed with them. Listening to Unorthodox is such a beloved shared ritual of ours that we were both planning the same surprise. Leave it to a teacher to be more organized than a writer and making the request more promptly. We, also like a woman more pr- – Organized in a man. Also, she loves you more. Hashtag the future is female. Yep. <laughs> we look we look forward to enjoying many more great episodes as husband and wife, and we'll at least bring you on our honeymoon in podcast wow. form. Jason Markosoff, Calgary, Alberta. Oh, wow. Canadians yes. in the house. So listen, here's the thing, Jason and Aaron. Like, there's nothing we this, won't do for yeah. you. This is the like, idea of we Canadian, be... like, foreplay. Yes. <laughs> Getting in bed, listening to Unorthodox. It's like, you want to get frisky and yeah. wild tonight? If you Listen want to Mark and Stephanie and Leah, this you is tell the worst us Canadian that's accent a ever. So are you going to have like? Are they going to end up being like unorthodox babies? Yeah, oh, we yeah, are going to yeah, be yeah. the Sandak and Sandak keep to their kids. We are also like, if there's music you need to get you in the mood, we Noah we will play it. We'll drop that in, guys. Wow. Basically, we're here for you for whatever you want. We're here for the long haul. Tell us what you need in you know, yeah, in the bedroom, and we'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> I love that this is just like we're here for the long haul, but only in the bedroom. Of course. <laughs> All right, two more quickies. Uh, Katie Forsyth writes, I'd like to give a shout out to my dear friend Kevin Lieberman. This incredible human introduced me to Unorthodox, for which I'm grateful. My mom makes fun of him for being a Jew named Kevin, but then I remind my mom that she named me Catherine Maureen Forsyth. But her maiden name is Greenberg, so we're all good. Katie Forsyth. And finally, on Facebook, Deborah Sarna writes in, in response to last week's episode, quote, Stephen Tobolowski befriended my father-in-law in the shul they both attended when my father-in-law was saying Kaddish after my mother-in-law's death. Stephen and my father-in-law, Abe, got to know each other well. He invited my father-in-law to his wedding and Stephen featured him on his radio show. Stephen's friendship and the time he shared with Abe were truly a blessing. I look forward to reading Stephen's book. God bless. Deborah Sarna, God bless, God bless. you. Uh, some Mazel Tovs? Um, Fred, Fred Kerr. Yes? Do you have a Mazel Tov? As long as you're here, anyone you want to give a shout out to? Um, I'm gonna, I can, <clears throat> like a good Jewish boy, I'm going to give a shout out to my mother. Yeah, because the other day she said I was talking to her. On the, I'm going to get all Brooklyn while I talk about this. That's okay. Uh, I was talking to her on the phone, and she was telling me uh, she can't stand Trump, and my father's like a big Trumpy, but I can't stand Trump, and I really can't stand Ivanka. Did you know she converted? She said to me. <laughs> Did you know? I said yes, yes, yeah. She's more Jewish than I am. My mother said. I still hate her. <laughs> So the 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 old joke, you know, what's the old a year old joke? What's the difference between Donald Trump and reformed Jews? Donald Trump has Jewish grandchildren. Oh. Whoa! Damn, that is hostile. That, wow. Yep. That yep. Is I went there. Dark. So, mazel tov to your mother. Mazel tov to my mother. Mother of your mother. Stefania. I got mazel tov to listener Jeffrey Grossman from Redmond. Washington. He and I correspond. He um, ran a teen tour program that was in the town of Great Neck. That was a. I think I talked about my teen tour a few weeks, like a way back. And I, I was. I went on Rhine, and he worked for American Trails West. And he picked up on a joke I made two episodes ago when you guys were talking about Alaska and how they have to leave. The senators have to leave 
for all the tourists. And I was like, yeah, Fire and Ice, which is the name of the Alaska Hawaii team tour. And he got it that, and he wrote in wow. and told me that. Muzzle and it turns wow. out he named that team tour. That is God bless him. Yeah, he's deep, amazing. Deep Butnick. Yep. Knowledge inside. Liel. Deep Deep Butnick. My <laughs> Deep that's... Butnick knowledge. <laughs> My Mazel Tov yes. is to a beloved friend of this show, H. Allen Scott, who right now, as we speak, at Love this H. very Allen. moment, do you know where H. Allen is? He's in Israel right now. Are, are you he's, single? He's in the Koto. No. Oh, well, he's married. Because he's oh. another gay guy. No, he's, and isn't he yes. <laughs> no, H. Allen's single. Is he? Yeah. Do, you know, single. do you know how many and people looking. have said to me, oh, you're gay? I know somebody else yeah. who's gay. Do you know him? Well, it's that H. is Jewish and handsome, and I, I do this for everyone. It's not just oh, like all two gay people belong together. It's really true. not. I actually have made several straight marriages. Like, Well, you know, he's in the Kotel right now, and I bet you uh, he's writing his wish, and, and may all of his wishes come true. H. Allen's in the promised land? Right, right now, he's, he's in the Kotel right now it as we on speak. on Instagram yep. and on Facebook, H. Allen Scott. He's touching that wall. God, he is. He's building that wall. Unorthodox all-star H. Allen Scott. Fred, you're an unorthodox all-star, by the way, too. Oh, thank you. Um, no one's ever gotten there that fast. You made oh, it in 40 minutes. Uh, my Mazel Tov, speaking of Instagram, my Mazel Tov is, uh, is to me. Uh, I got off Facebook <laughs> and Twitter this week. Haven't been on for five, six days. Wow. And it's like, I'm so, I feel so liberated. Like the extra time in my day. Hold on, but Mike, you didn't do the thing that you're supposed to do, which is announcing. Announcing. Yeah. Going off right. the Twitter. I didn't, yes. Personal I just, news. I just, I just famoosed. I just pieced out of there. Like, so question for you. So here's the thing. Yeah, question. So Twitter is obviously annoying and it's just sort of a way to worst, get inundated with news world, and right. commentary. But you use Facebook in a different way than I do. Like you use it for like, hey, I'm looking for this. Does yeah, I will crowdsource like, stuff. You'll crowdsource. Yeah. So, I'm actually surprised that you are not using Facebook because I feel like that is a resource for you in a lot of ways. It is. And especially as a journalist, there are times when it's like, hey, does anyone know anyone who has a friend who has a friend who is like an ex-Jew who became a Sikh who now lives in Evergreen, Washington? Mm-hmm. I need I need that person's so story. So I imagine that that's what your feed looks like. But people looking – like mine is just like pictures of people no. having babies. My feed's a lot of that. It's a lot of people having babies. It's You know, the difference between your feed and my feed is my feed is second marriages. <laughs> Like that's that's 15 years later. That's what I have to look forward marriages. to. And, and honestly, though, I mean, I'm not saying I'll never go on. I will pop back on de temps en temps. Like I will be on for maybe every other Friday or something just to check in and say. But it's totally I don't miss it at all. Because Twitter especially is just like, you know, Alana Newhouse, our, our, our boss, always says Twitter is for racists and journalists. That's exactly right. And those are two really annoying and, groups of people. And racist journalists. And racist journalists. And it's like. Fuck all y'all. And like, honestly, I've read like three novels in the five days since I got Look off. Look at Mark. It's just, and, uh, to be honest, you haven't missed anything. Nothing. Mark Mark is old toxic masculinity. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Fred, Actually, I have, a, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a yid question. This is going to be the final word of the show okay. before credits, by the way. So make it good. Okay. Uh, 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 okay. So you asked if I'm single. My partner is, is uh, a Gentile. Can I still use the word shiksa? Oh, Ooh. wow. Is there For a- him? No, it's shagets. Oh, shagets. Oh, is it? Okay. There's a word. Shagets, and it means. Um, but you could have. You can it, call it. Yeah, I mean, it's. Which one means of, worm? It's kind of funny. Kind of gay to call it your shiksa. I mean, a, yeah, that's your that's, Jewish it's girl. A little campier. Look, look I like at that. the expression on his face when he did that. I know. He really is. He really Which one means worm? Shagets. Shagets. So the word, the word for a Jewish, the mildly derogatory word for mildly. a Jewish, for a non Jewish male is shagets, which means like. Vermin or worm. Oh, great! Shiksa Mildly has, derogatory. More like well, worm. Lamb. That's kind of dirty. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little <laughs> sexy. You could, you could, you yeah. can, we can make use of that. Go with that. Hey, gang! I know that you're expecting me to slide right into the credits now, but not quite yet. I have a favor to ask. In a few weeks, we're doing a special summer camp episode. 
And we want you to be, you know, a part of it. I mean, you're always a part of things because you send us mail and you send us ideas and you're an incredibly engaged audience and that makes our show all the better. And and we love the extended uh, J. Crew and, and the family that you are. But listen, we need something specific. Do you have any special summer camp reminiscences? Like maybe... Maybe you have a lost love you want to tell us about. Maybe you want to track him or her down. Maybe you want to send a shout out to that crazy bunkmate who made it all worthwhile. Uh, maybe you just want to complain and kvetch and say that summer camp was horrible and you want to name names. Maybe you want to talk about what a wonderful place it was and how sad you are that it, that it went under. Listen, the goal of this episode will just be like summer camp and the American experience or the American Jewish experience if you will. So send us your stories, send us your reminiscences, try to keep them, you know, to 300 words or fewer. Uh, we would love it if you wanted to send something on audio. Um, you can email us a little, you know, audio bite uh, at our at our email, uh, which, as you know, is unorthodox at tabletmag.com. And listen, if you have friends who are being a little shy, but they have great stories, um, you know, send us send us their name. We'll, we'll bother them. We'll track them down and, and shame them into it. But um, stay tuned. It's going to be an amazing episode and you need to be part of it. Send us your stuff at unorthodox at tabletmag.com. Unorthodox is brought to you by Tablet Magazine on the web at tabletmag.com. Our executive producers are Alyssa Goldstein and Shira Talushkin, and our show is edited by Noah Levinson. Our music is by Golem. Rabbinic supervision this week by Rabbi Barry Marks of Springfield, Illinois. Kosher slaughtering is by Sarah Huckabee Sanders. We record at Argo Studios, which has already formed an exploratory committee for the 2018 campaign season. We're proud to be part of the Panoply Network. Shalom, friends. <laughs>